Well, good morning, everyone. It is a joy to be here. Thank you for being here on this Labor Day Eve. Uh, now, I know we've been, we've been talking through this, this series called the, the Aim, the Activity, and the Aroma of Discipleship. We've spent five weeks now doing this. Oh, gosh. You would forgive me. I have gum in my mouth. And that, I, I almost did that. And I, sorry. Um, this is why they don't ask me to do this much. Uh, we've been talking through the, the, the aroma of discipleship, and I think we've had five weeks prior to this being the sixth week. Now, I wonder if anybody can tell me what those five aromas, those five scents are. You could just, like, pop them right out right now. Anybody? How about one? Okay, wait, wait. What was last week? Gratitude. Could, wait, wait, could we just stop and pray for the sound booth right now? That... <laughs> okay, so gratitude. What was... Okay, encouragement and mutual care, yes. Three was... Servanthood? Okay, and then before that? Joy, correct. Somebody's got his notes. And then Humility. Now, I, who knew all five of them? Because I want to give you a, a special gift for knowing all five of them. Nobody? Well, I was going to give you five cents. Gene, that was for you. So today we discuss another aroma. And that aroma is not gratitude or encouragement or humility or joy, or serving, that aroma is the aroma that makes any aroma possible. And that is the aroma, and that aroma is Christ himself. Let's pray. Father, we truly want to believe in you, the one whom we believe in. And Lord, we want to receive the one whom we have received this morning. But Lord, we don't, so we don't want to receive from you this morning. We want to receive you this morning. We don't want to just be saved people. We want to be men and women who know the God that we say we believe in and that we have received. We want to know you. And so, Father, we pray right now for one another and ourselves that you would remove all impediments to our hearing you speak to us this morning. That you would allow us, God, to receive the Christ whom we have received and to believe you, Lord, that you are our only, our only acceptance our only acceptable fragrance before the Holy God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, our God is the original barbecue king. I don't know if you guys knew that. 
Uh, no pork, though, or, or grill, no crustaceans. But uh, our God experienced great blessing and great joy through sacrifices. Now, whether God's priests were barbecuing from the front yard, it's the outer court, or burning incense in the living room, that was the holy place, there was no shortage of olfactory engagement. Now, it's interesting that 33 times in the Old Testament, I give some fill in the blanks there just to try to help you stay awake, or if you're doodling somewhere else, you can doodle here. 33 times in the Old Testament, from Genesis to Numbers, we read this phrase, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, I wrote this here. God wasn't into sacrifices and their aromas because he likes the sight of blood and likes the smell of things or likes to smell things. He's into what the creation of those aromas revealed. They revealed his people's obeying and trusting his promises through the system of sacrifices. But mostly, these sacrifices were a forefragrance of the last sacrifice that would forever take away the sins of man and separation from God of those who would believe. So as, as we take a, a sentimental journey through time this morning, I want us to to realize and to see a God who loves to experience the life of his son in his blood-bought saints. I think one of the challenges that I have and you have is that we've been Christians for so long we forgot that our life is fully connected to Jesus Christ, that we have no life apart from his life. So that when we think, my life, God says, I am the aroma of Christ to God. Do you realize that's who you are? No, you don't. Oh, gosh, almost dropped that thing. Um, excuse me. We are the aroma of Christ to God. Can I ask you to do something real quick here? Do it with me. I know it's stupid, but just do it. Just take a deep breath. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, let it out. Okay. Now God, think of God breathing in his joy over us because he has united us with the one, his son, who has made us acceptable to him. There's one thing that makes you and me acceptable to him. There is one thing that gives us entrance to God 24-7, 365, and that is his son and us united to his son. When we are sinning, church, we are the fragrance of Christ to God. When we are doing righteous things, we are the fragrance of Christ to God. Because our acceptance before God is always because of Jesus Christ and never because of our efforts. We have to see that, we have to know that, or our Christian lives will just think we're on, we're off, we're a fragrance, we're not a fragrance. Yes, I am. Am I now? I'm not quite sure. But God has established our stance before God because of Christ, and he has joined us into Christ. So whatever you're feeling today, 
whether you are able to make it through worship or not, whether you focus on God through worship or not, all that God sees in his acceptance of us is that he has joined us to his son and made us the aroma of Christ to God. What a privilege. What a life. What a God that would include you and me in his son. I don't present myself to God an offering without Christ. There is nothing of me to present without Christ. And God wants us to know that. And hopefully this morning, as I pray God will, we will get a greater sense of this journey that God went through to bring us to himself, that we would be to God. Mm. My kids smell good because of Christ. Only and always because of Christ. You're screwing up right now. Your marriage sucks right now. Your marriage stinks right now. You, you, you're a fragrant, you are the fragrant aroma of Christ. Let's be who we have been made and stop acting like who we have not been made or defined by the circumstances that we are going through at this moment. Do you, do you hear that? We've got to hear that. Or we will only be before God in our mind how we think we smell. Now God, his house, like our house, his house had an aroma too. And God, so intimate, so desirous of us, wants, wanted to be among us. Exodus 25, 8 says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so shall you make. Now, how does God fit into this place? He doesn't. But he wants the people to know that they are so dear to him that he desires his presence to be known by them in this old covenant setting called the tabernacle in the wilderness. Now, I've, we've, I've put up here on the screen for you just for some of this to get an idea of excuse me, what that tabernacle looked like. Now, over here to the left is the most holy place. That's the Ark of the Covenant. That's the place where the high priest went in only one time per year with with a offering for his sins and then the past sins of Israel. And then there's a four-inch veil, about a four-inch veil, that fabric veil that sat between the, the holy, most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was and what was called the holy place. And the priests would come once a day. I'm not going to go into all this. The priests would come once a day into the altar and... Once a day to the altar of incense where he would put, the, in, the, the priest would put the incense. There's the altar of, there's a table of showbread where once a week the 12 loaves, probably unleavened bread were. That's another message. And then the lampstand, the great menorah was there as well that helped light the holy place. <clears throat> but the one particular furnishing in the holy place that we're going to talk about today, which has everything to do with being the aroma of Christ to God, that produced 
That golden altar produced a scent of things to come. In Exodus 30, 34 through 37, this is what, how the Lord instructs Moses. Take sweet spices, stockte, anica, galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense. Each of them shall be an equal part and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony of the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you. In other words, it shall be most holy for your benefit. For your benefit, this incense will be most holy, therefore acceptable. And the incense that you shall make according to its com uh, composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. In other words, all that this, this incense, these four spices made up, were for God, but to the benefit of the people. They were for God, but that his people could benefit. You see, we see in the, in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, there is, there is this, I've, I've heard it called the shadow of the substance of things to come. What we saw in reality in flesh was just a foreshadowing of the Christ who would accomplish these things in his flesh. And so Paul writes to the, to the Colossians in the 26th verse of the first chapter. He says, the mystery which has been hidden from past generation, ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints... To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is this, drum roll, Christ in you, the only hope of glory. It's a mystery that's been hidden. But now God has willed to take the shadow and bring the substance to what is known, I mean, what are the riches? I know I've heard of Bill Gates' riches. I've, I've, I've heard of other billionaires' riches. But what are the riches of the glory of our Father that we inherit in Jesus Christ? To make known God's will, to make known to you, church, what is the mystery of his will? It's Christ. It's not Christ and anything else. Because there is nothing else but Christ. There is no room for anything else but Christ. Christ in you. Your only hope of glory. I remember on my 29th mysteries or something. It was my 29th, 39th birthday. Um, I was asleep in bed. Um, there was a knock at the door. Annette awakens me to, whoa. <laughs> Nick, I apologize for whatever I did to you. Um, there was this knock at the door. <laughs> As the door began to slowly open. Should I do the rest of this message like that? Or? 
I'm good? Okay, good. Thank you. Um, you know I love you, no matter what. Uh, <laughs> okay, this message is going to take longer. Um, so, I, I awaken, and then there's this mystery, and it says, go, go to the front door. The kids are in from the lock-in. Some of you are there. Um, you're, the kids are in from the lock-in. And I said, well, okay, so I jump up. Now, I don't sleep in a lot of clothes. I'm sure you guys get from head to foot. Just, um, But so there on my, on my uh, chair right next to the, to the bed are my shorts and a T-shirt. So she, said, she says, well, just put on your shorts and go. I said, well, I'm just, you know, I'm like this. So I put on my shorts and my T-shirt. And it was a mystery why it was there. But suddenly I opened the door from our, to our bedroom. And the mystery was revealed. 40 people in my house dressed in morning garb, screaming, surprise, at 8 o'clock in the morning. The mystery was revealed. Thank God we have a better mystery that's been revealed. Annette, I remember her, her party favors were Listerine. Isn't that great? Just... So God loves surprises. Uh, he loves it. You didn't see that coming, did you? He's into mysteries and revealing them. And so in this altar of incense, there are these four spices. Why these four spices? And they were, they were uh, sprinkled with pure salt. Salt being a picture of, of holiness. Salt being a picture of a preservation, eternal, an eternal incense, an eternally holy incense. But there are these four spices at this, at this altar of incense which burn perpetually before God, like incessant prayer and worship. Well, there was one stockte, and I've got these in your notes. I'm going to rush through these quickly. Stockte is an aromatic gum. It's distilled from a certain tree or plant. It figuratively means to go or to pray to entreat one to go and to speak by prophetic inspiration or a dripping. And we see in this, I believe we see in this, God gives us a mystery to be revealed of Christ, the great prophet and intercessor before God. Christ, the great prophet and intercessor. Then there's a second uh, spice there. It's Annika. It consists of shells of several different kinds of mussels. It's taken from an unused root, which means... To roar, a lion from his characteristic roar, a fierce lion and, lion, and does this not bring to mind the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king, the Lord. And through, through this, I believe God drops a mystery, a mystery that is Christ, the king, the Lord. And then third, galbanum, a brownish, yellow, odorous gum. It's taken from the unused root to be fat. Hence, the richest or choicest part, the best, the finest. Jesus is God's chosen one. He is God's Messiah. Isaiah 42 says, behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. 
He will bring forth justice to the nations. And so we see this, this spice, this mystery that's going to be revealed. This, this stakte representing intercessor and prophet, Annika, king and lord, Galbanum, Messiah, chosen one, and pure, number four, pure frankincense. That word pure there comes from the Hebrew zak, which means clean, innocent, transparent. Figuratively, it means righteous. The word frankincense here, it's the first incision of the frankincense into the tree that brings pure white resin. The word means white. And we see in this mystery to be revealed the pure, holy one of God, God the Son. And so we see in this, they would present they would bring the Stockte, the Annika, the Galbanum, the pure frankincense. It would be put together and it would be beaten to a fine powder, crushed. And that, from the coals from the altar, before the Holy of Holies, that fragrance would waft through the holy place, through the fabric of the veil that separated the most holy place from the from the holy place and would waft into where the presence of God would and the priest, the high priest would meet with God once a year and that fragrance of God's house was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. God took, God took his prophet, his king, the one who was his Messiah, his Holy One, and crushed Him. This mystery revealed Christ, the Holy Anointed Messiah of God, crushed. And that fragrance of what was to come wafted before the nostrils of God. I wrote, Our Lord Jesus, who was holy, and whole was crushed so that we who should have been crushed and were certainly unholy and broken would be made by his doing holy and whole. Isaiah 53 10, you're familiar with this verse, but it pleased the Lord to crush him if he would make himself. A guilt offering. And this Christ who was crushed is God's high priest who presents before the Father himself as a pleasing aroma, an acceptable aroma to God. I wrote here, this pleasing aroma in the tabernacle and the te temple was a foreshadowing fragrance of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God, crushed for our iniquities. And as fragrances remind us of things past, at the altar of incense, this fragrant symbolic aroma of Christ perpetually before the presence of God would remind God of his eternal covenant promise, which was soon to be revealed. The Lamb of God, slain 
before the foundation of the world. And so this, this, this Christ, this Holy One, this, this prophet, this God-man was crushed as an, a, pleasing, a pleasing aroma to God, the only aroma that to God could be pleasing. And the result... Let's go back to the tabernacle with me. Let's call this the altar of incense. And the incense is going up. Behind me is the four inch veil which covered the presence of God. Which the priest only went into once a year. The high priest. When Christ Jesus is crushed on the cross... A blood presentation goes into the Holy of Holies. It is not the blood of a high priest that a high priest rather brings a sacrifice from the brazen altar. It is the sacrifice of the high priest. He himself pouring himself onto the altar now, we've been talking about this thing called new wine and old wineskins, right? We've been talking about that pretty much. Well, when the new wine, the blood of a new covenant, is poured onto that holy of holies, guess what can't contain it? A veil. And so when that new wine is poured into that old wineskin, you know what happens. God is no longer separated from his own. And we are no longer separated anymore from him. And from top to bottom, that vent is railed and the presence of God is with us. And we are in the presence of God and church. Oh my. Do we understand what has happened? And I am concerned that we have forgotten the glory of the only aroma that we present before God ever. Christ. In us. With us. For us. Even as us. Before. His father. The veil was rent. Ripped from top to bottom. No more separation. And so God relocated. Now we see in the Old Covenant, in Exodus, Moses is in the wilderness. They're wandering around. And in Exodus chapter 40, the very last chapter of Exodus, the book of Exodus, we see here that there was a, a cloud that it covered the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Can, can, just see this. This tabernacle out in the desert, and there's a cloud, and it fills, this cloud fills the tabernacle. Moses couldn't even enter there, the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it. The presence of God was too great. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel goes out. Cloud goes that way, we go that way. Up goes the tent stakes, and we're going. We're following the cloud. 
And the people set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. When God takes and tears that vent, rent, uh, veil in, the, in that tabernacle and in that temple, and he tears it from top to bottom, and there is no longer any separation from man. When Christ is crushed, we are about to see a new dwelling place for God. From a dwelling place that was made with hands to a dwelling place, dwelling places that have hands and feet and hearts. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down on each of them. Do we see the picture, church? The mystery of God in a house made by hands. That shadow is the substance now seen in the church of Jesus Christ. Is that fire that settled in a place where God dwelled? That fire now set, settles in the Holy Spirit in a place where God now and forever dwells. Christ in us. Our only hope of glory. The mystery is revealed. The mystery is Christ. But not Christ in the wilderness. Christ off somewhere else and someone else. Christ in you. Fire in you, the fire of God, the life of God, the aroma of Christ. Paul writes to the Corinthians, a scripture we are too far familiar with in its memorization and too little familiar with in its reality, I for one. Ask yourself this question as I read this, or do you not know? Church, do you not know? Who you are? God says you are the temple of his spirit. You don't belong to yourself anymore. That's good news. You are bought with a price. And the only way you will ever be able to worship God, be acceptable to God, be pleasing in his sight, is to know that you have been joined with the only one that could ever make you holy pleasing and acceptable in his sight. And that is Christ in us. Our only hope of glory. Think about this. I know when we're in church, you know, it's kind of a controlled environment. We all believe the same stuff and get excited. But do you know when you go out on the street today, do you know? When you're talking to your spouse and you've just about had it, do you know? 
that we are the dwelling place of God. And if we are the dwelling place of God, that means God has made us because of Christ and only because of Christ acceptable to him. Only acceptable to him. And that is good, good news. From the Old Testament tabernacle, I wrote, burn the expression of Christ, the incense, now from within the temples of God, within us, the temples of God that we now are, burns this incense to God, the fragrance, the only acceptable fragrance, Jesus Christ, the intercessor prophet, the King, the Lord, the Messiah, the God-man, God the Son, in us. And Father is pleased. And now not only this, but we have been made into the lineage of Christ, priests of God. We're familiar with the scripture, don't you know? Right? You're a chosen race, a holy priesthood. We've been made priests and kings to God our Father, John writes in the Revelation. Now there's, so I want to take us back to another sentimental journey for, to realize the ministry of the priest in the Old Covenant. Now, I wrote here, again, if you're having trouble staying awake, I put a little more, few more blanks in there for you. In Exodus 29 and Exodus 30, 20 times in, the, in those passages is articulated the ministry of the priest. 20 times in 84 verses, Moses describes the duties of the priest as, it, there's only three words. I looked at this over and over again. The ministry of the priest was to one place. It was to, for, and before the Lord. That was his ministry. What he did, he did before the Lord. And the people were the benefactors of that work. You know, I was reading, when I was reading 2 Corinthians, I saw something a while back, and it really hit me. Because here's the thing, I, I care too much what you think. Even if you hated what I talked about today, say, Frank, best message ever, I thought I was translated to heaven. Now, I know that's how you feel already, but I care too much about what you think. I care too much about what's going on in the sound system right now. I care too much about that. But, but, um, I just do. You care. As Keith, I'm sure as Keith is, is leading up here this morning, uh, and maybe Gene, as you're singing, um, maybe there's this thought, how did that sound? Or, um, and th there's nothing wrong with that. But that is not my ministry. To make sure you're happy. To make sure you accept what I'm saying. That is not my life. My life is two and four and before the Lord, and what he chooses to do with his life through me, in my interaction with you, that's his business. 
Do you see how this sets us free from the fear of man? From worrying about what people think or what my circumstances are or how my business is doing or not doing? Or what I think about myself and how I'm doing? God says, son, when are you going to understand you have one means of acceptance before me? Ever and always. And it is not your performance. It is my son's performance. And until you and I see that, we'll be sniffing in stuff about us that is not true. God wants our our lives to be the lives which emanate from one place, his life. Now this is so, I, I, I know we believe this, sort of. I'll wait. <laughs> this is so good for me. I just want you to know this. God is doing this for me. <laughs> really. I'm sure Keith isn't having to put up with this at Christ Community Church right now, but um, what was I saying? Um, God, you want to change that out? Okay. Okay. We interrupt this. Thank you, sir. Okay, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. I know you're doing the best you can. I'm not, that's... But again, I, listen, there's no reason for us to not realize that Satan may want to just stick a little paper clip in the sound system to distract us from hearing what God wants us to hear. Is that just too weird to say that? I hope not. So, yeah. So, so here's what, here's where we're going. Our lives are for God. And do you know what happens the more my lives, my life has lived before God and for God and to God? I love you like I can't love you without him. Because I have been, I have sought first the presence of the living one in me. It's now naturally supernatural or supernaturally natural to allow this aroma, which is of Christ to God, to waft into every place I go. We care too much about what we think of someone else or what someone else thinks of us. When what makes everything right is when we understand what God thinks of us. And the problem is, church, believers, we don't know what God thinks of us. If we think we're having a good day, I think God's pretty good with me. If I think I'm not having a good day, I've just capped the aroma of Christ. And God can only accept me based on my performance. Do you see that? Our acceptance of him uh, pardon me, his acceptance of us is always based on his acceptance of himself. And that motivates, and that, mo- and, and, and that directs 
the power of this life. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians. This is fascinating because this kind of made this come clear to me. Paul writes, have you been thinking all along, 2 Corinthians 12, 19, have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? Because it is in the sight of God that we are speaking in Christ and all for your benefit. In other words, Corinthians, what I'm doing is what Christ has commanded me to do. If you get it, I hope you get it. I love you. But my life is lived before the living God. Therefore, I need not fear you. I fear dishonoring the one who was crushed for me, who though he was God incarnate, laid aside all of that so that he could bring me accepted and acceptable to God and make me the aroma of Christ to God all the time. And if we knew that, guess what would happen? You know, I don't have to say it. We would live like that. If I knew who I was to God and who God was to me, I would live like that. That's good news. That is good news. I wrote here, about to close. As new covenant priests, we present ourselves as living sacrifices to and for and before the Lord. If that were not enough, we are the aroma of Christ to God. What God chooses to do with that aroma of Christ through us to the world and to the church is up to God. We live to God, to, for, and before the Father, ever presenting ourselves to him as holy and living sacrifices, pleasing and acceptable to him. That's Romans 12. We cannot do that without the waft of Christ's aroma impacting others because it's the love of Christ that controls us. There is but one church we live to please. We therefore need fear none but God. And as we fear none but God, we love those who we could never love. Doesn't that sound counterintuitive? As we fear none but God, we truly begin to love because the love of Christ does what? It controls me. It compels me. It constrains me. Because I know what God has done in me. Church, do you know? Do you know that in you is God by the Holy Spirit? And it is pleasing to him. From eternity past, desirous to make you his dwelling place. I haven't said anything new here today. I do not believe. I don't think so. I know I haven't said anything new that God didn't know. But do we know that? Or are we going to live out here and try to grunt out Jesus in our own strength? Are we going to leave here and say, oh, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be grateful. I'm, I'm supposed to be grateful. I'm, I'm supposed to serve. Uh, uh, I'm supposed to be encouraging. Uh, I'm, I'm, supposed to, uh, I'm supposed to be joyful. Yeah, joyful. I, I got that's, that's my goal this week, to be joyful. Um, just, those are all fruits of the life of Christ in us. They're not fruits of our fallen flesh. The world can look 
grateful. The world can look like it's serving. And under common grace, they are. But we have a different power source, church. We have the life of God Almighty who created all things, who crushed his son so that you and I could become his dwelling place. That God would desire me to be his home should bring us to our knees, should make us speechless. And if it doesn't, which it all too often doesn't for me, tells me that, God, I don't know that I'm your dwelling place. I I believe it, but I don't know it. The the question for most of us as believers is, yes, we're saved, but do we know the one who saved us? Do you know the one who saved you? If you do, you're experiencing Christ in you. The love that Christ is, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, the goodness, the meekness, the kindness, the self-control that is Jesus Christ. One word kept, just as I was preparing for this message today, one word just kept pounding away at me. And and probably because it was what I was feeling often as I was preparing this, was the word frustrated. Frustrated with the pace of life. Frustrated with the way I feel about myself. Frustrated with the way I feel about my spouse and my family. Frustrated about my health. Frustrated about my job. Frustrated about this, that, and the other thing. And the whole while we are frustrated, this is what God's doing. Oh, my son is in them. I love them. Why would we leave our loving father so desirous of us? Pay no attention to this perpetual, unceasing fragrance of his life, his life to him, his life in us and let the world define who we are and let our circumstances define who we are and determine how we feel or even attempting to live this life out in good flesh and not the only good one, Christ. Church, I, I just feel like we are supposed to, to make an altar this morning, right where we are. Before this, I'm going to read a, um, this Spurgeon quote, and I'll be done. Keith's going to lead us. But read with me this Spurgeon quote here. To a man or woman who lives unto God. Can I stop for a minute and just, can we start that again? Just want to make sure. We're here to a man or woman who lives unto God. Nothing is secular. Do you understand what that means? Doing the dishes, taking out the garbage, watching a ball game. Nothing is secular. Everything is sacred. 
He puts on his workday garment and it is a vestment to him. He sits down to his meal and it is a sacrament. He goes forth to his labor and therein exercises the office of the priesthood. His breath is incense and his life a sacrifice. He sleeps on the bosom of God and lives and moves in the divine presence. That is God's heart for us to know him everywhere, at every time, in every circumstance. Christ in us, the mystery revealed, now in us. Our only hope of joy, our only hope of glory, our only hope of gratitude to thanksgiving, Christ. And so let's just stand, if you would, church with me for a moment. You can kneel, you can run up to this altar this morning and say, Lord, I have so forgotten you who have saved me. I've found my life in my gifts or my talents or my looks. I found my life in my wardrobe. I mean, it could be the most menial of things, Father. I found my life in my relationships, but I have not found that in you and you alone are my life. Hear me. You are. Hear God tell you this morning, church. You are the fragrance of my son to me. Always. Now trust me. Release all that impedes your knowing me. Release all of that to me. Make an altar right where you are and where we need to repent of not allowing Christ to be Christ in us because we don't know what that looks like. And then begin, church, begin to get to know the one who saved us and how high and how long and how wide and how deep is his love. Father, we ask this for your glory that we, your boys and girls, would know you and enjoy you and be aware that God, you have made your dwelling place in us until we're with you forever. In Jesus' name, Keith, lead us. I just want to encourage you, just let this be a time. Make your place right now an altar before God. If you need prayer this morning, let's tell the Lord, I want to know again that I'm your dwelling place, that I am an aroma of your son to you. Are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling
behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the